Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome. Happy Tuesday. Glad to have you back with us for the podcast here. This is episode 647. We keep mentioning it because we see it's the harbinger of 650 that is coming. It's the all car, <laughs> all non-car questions where all where things get nuts. That's coming for sure. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This Thursday is the Porsche 928 first video. Mm-hmm, it's your the, story. It's my story. It's the reveal. There's a few photos of me in my younger days. They're amazing the, photos. They're photos that I hadn't seen until right now. I know. It's amazing stuff. It. Yeah. And then your car is coming the week after, I yep, believe. A week away. So the yep. Z story, mm-hmm. the actual drive back with your son, which is such a cool story. It's so. pretty cool. I'm, I'm very excited that we have those cars from the past. We are doing an amazing series. It is just now kicking off. You've seen it teased. You've heard us talk about it. That's but right. starting this Thursday, the full series kicks off. We'll be covering those cars and a lot of really cool things for the next year. Pretty fun topic Tuesday comes to us from Ian Carey on Instagram, and he's asking about driving one car from each platform. The question Uh-oh. is, what is the car from each platform that everyone is required to drive and experience? Okay. We've also got a car debate from Jeff C. in Washington asking if there's such a thing as a fun commuter. So mm. we're going to cover that as well, but okay. we've got to dive right into the topic Tuesday from Ian who says, if you could pick one car from each style. SUV, sports car, muscle, sedan, we've got a few other categories too, or just one car in general that everyone was required to drive and experience, what would that car be? Mm. That is pretty open, Ian, because it is. It could be, you have to drive this as an example of what not to do. Here's sure. how to build bad sure. cars. Yeah. Drive this and agree with me that this is terrible. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road, but I know what you mean. You want the best category, the best platforms mm. of driving. And then, you know, when you said platforms, Ian... I started to think of the Volkswagen platform. The MQB that is everything. Everything in their lineup is the same platform. And so have you covered it if you drove the Polo? Doesn't it drive like the Atlas? Because technically it's the same platform. The Taos, it's all the same, right? But it actually isn't. And so I chose, I broke this down into all the usual suspects, plus a few wild cards inserted in there because these are the wild cards that you just can't believe. The question I have for you, mm-hmm. Ian, is are we limited to cars we have driven? I guess to you, Todd, as well. Is it just cars we've driven? Can we recommend the cars that we have not? Mm. And also the reasons for choosing these cars. Is it power? Is it the chassis? Is it the balance? Is it something surprising? Is it the car that wants to kill you? And surprise! <laughs> Yay! This you have can to drive go this car. so many places, Ian, <laughs> and it's nuts. And you sent this to me, and I was just like, uh, instantly had a brain freeze, because it's that exact same question that happens when people come up to us, invariably. This happens a lot. And it's, by the way, it happens <laughs> yeah, less right. with real car people. Most of you listening to the show wouldn't ask this question, but people... It's because that, real car people that aren't, don't like being that, asked aren't into, uh, that aren't into real to cars very much, they always ask us the same question, which is, oh, you do cars for a living? What's your favorite car? Like, oh no. And then it's just, I hear crickets in my head because I'm waiting on the next, and I always say, give me something to work with. Give me a, a parameter. Give me a time frame. Oh, you're frame. a chef? What's you're, your favorite food? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, got, you got to help me out How here. Give me some sort of parameters that I can work within, budget or time frame or something yes. that I can pick cars to work with because I can't do a single car. So anyway, so that <laughs> One happens. car to rule them all? And that's the other thing about that it. movie yes, hasn't it's, been made it's, yet. It's, yeah, it's a Lord of the Rings thing. Anyway, that's the thing is that I also didn't pick one car per type because I, I didn't like, I can't do just one. So yeah. again, you, you you broke them down. I like this: sports cars, sedans, muscle cars, SUVs, electrics, and pickup trucks. I tried to pick three for each that I feel like. Here was my headspace: if you drive each of the three that I bring up in every category, we can have a very serious <laughs> conversation. We're good. No, yeah. we can. We okay. have a very serious conversation okay. about where does everything else fall in relation to those three. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went with all of these. But again, I couldn't do one. I was like, I got to go with three. And I, I generally stayed kind of newer because such restraint. I, I did because <laughs> I'm the, amazed. The chances of you finding some really old stuff, whether we've driven it or not, are slim to none. But I, I really thought about this as I wish people could drive everything that I have on this list because the conversations would be fascinating afterward. Yeah, I agree. Well, I actually went a little bit further in the sports car category only, okay. and I broke the man down into 
five subcategories. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was drinking, and I think I spit that all over the keyboard. Uh, this okay. The, the, wow, only, I only feel five. like I need to catch up. <clears throat> My restraint was not as uh, as good as yours. So I'll start with the sports cars, the everyday driver greatest hits, the okay. transport that we want to fill. Yes. It's become actually a couple of semi-rigs of cars that we want everybody to experience. And <laughs> coming to your city soon. Wouldn't that be nice? The rear-wheel drive front engine, the classic sports car. Okay, yeah. Miatas, mm-hmm. Honda S2000s, the new Toyota GR86. Sure, yeah. A new Supra, A90 Supra. An E30 M3, an M240i, an M2, a 1M. <laughs> it's a superb list. I just... Dang it. Yeah, you can't even... You're going to be and, multiples of one. Okay, and, go and keep going. And the Mazda RX-7, the FD, the third okay. generation yeah. RX-7. That's a fantastic list of front engines. Moving on to the rear-wheel drive mid-engine platform. Oh, my God. Anyway, okay. I couldn't help myself. Yeah, Cayman's Elises, C8 Corvettes, Porsche 914s, the Ferrari Mondial makes it on my list. And the wild card here is the first-gen Acura NSX. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It has to be. Moving on to the rear-wheel drive rear-engine category. (laughs) Well, there's only one. But of all the 911s, I chose the 997 generation. Interesting. Okay. Front-wheel drive. Fiesta ST. Civic Type R's, Veloster N's, and definitely the 2021 Mini Cooper John Cooper Works. That's good. That was so much fun. Very fun. And of course, all-wheel drive is the last one in this subcategory. I picked the Evo 10, the Mitsubishi Evo 10, as a sports car Mm -hmm. that is all-wheel drive. It could go down here in the sedan category, but there are sports cars that are all wheel drive. And so I just shoved it over there. Just don't ask me why, but there's some magic about the Evo 10. And you didn't pick the WRX. I'm quite impressed. Wow. Okay. But there's some magic about that car that makes it feel more like a sports car and less like a sedan. And what we all think of sedans because Mm -hmm. the backseat isn't great. No, it just happens to be seats. It's there and it's usable, but it's not good, but it really does feel more like a sports car. So that's my list for sports cars and all my subcategories, but I, I could not, Say, well, the 1M's off. I'll toss that off. It's so I good understand. because I, I get of it. personality. I get it. I, for sports car, I did actually stay with three. I had five, and I was like, no, no, I'm going to stay with three. <laughs> You're amazing. For sports cars, I actually said the 911, but interestingly, you said 997. I said a 911 before the 991, so 997 and older. Okay. Because so starting a, with the nine, Because I, I think so. Because okay. starting with the, with the 991, the car gets significantly bigger. And and yeah. also it loses yeah. hydraulic steering. So those two things really do change like the fundamental things that make you go, this feels different than everything else. It's still brilliant, <laughs> but it loses some of the stuff that made it feel quirky and very unique. Yeah. So all yeah. the way up through the 997, there's a very different feel of that rear engine and the way that car is and the scale of it. So 911 before that, the Lotus Elise okay. and the Miata. Okay. If okay. I talked to somebody that I felt like had driven all three of those, those are fantastic triangulation points to talk about pretty much any other sports car we can go with. Sure. And they're very different platforms. Yes, completely. But they're completely. solid choices in the sports car category. I, I do like that. This got me thinking about trying to cut my list down, which I did for the rest of the categories. Ian, good news. <laughs> Moving on to the sedan, and I also added wagon category because they're oh, kind of similar. Okay, all right. I did Porsche. not have a wagon category, but keep going. It's great. Porsche it's all good. Panamera. Yeah. Panamera is at the top of my list in the sedan category. Interesting. Okay. Because they get smaller. The faster you go, they get smaller. Yeah, think, that's, a, that's a, a good one. That's a really good one. From yeah. the driver's seat, you forget about the rest of the car behind you. Mm, that is good. the entire point of the Panamera, and it's okay. so good yeah. at doing that. The Stinger, the Julia Quadrifoglio is on my list, as is the Mercedes-AMG E63 wagon, the E63S. That's, that's excellent. It's way up there. But the Tesla Model S Mm. is on this list for me, Mm. not because it's electric. You notice it's not in the electric category. I'm noticing that, yeah. But because of new thinking brought to a sedan platform. It is an entirely different platform. And I like that Tesla has offered this to the car community. Whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether you think it drives well or not, Mm -hmm. I want you to have experienced one so you can understand, Mm -hmm. ah, this is new thinking. This is a new approach. Sure. I like it for these reasons. I dislike it for these reasons. That's what I want you to drive. But the Maserati Quattroporti is also certainly on the list to have a wheelbase longer than a Phaeton (laughs) and still be so nimble and fun to drive. I love that that's on your list because it's awesome. I do do agree. It's on my sedan list. Anyway, I exercised a little bit more restraint there. Well done. For sedans, I was trying to do, okay, what is a genuine four-door, four-seat car with an interesting engine, rear-wheel drive, and dynamics that surprise you every time you drive it? 
And I wound up with three very different cars from very different places. And this is my list. The E90 M3 with that big screaming V8. Oh. That's a phenomenal sedan. That's a phenomenal sedan. The Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio yes. with that screaming V6. Yes. You lose your manual transmission. You went to Italy. You got <laughs> most of a Ferrari engine. It's very different than that, that M3. But then also the Chevy SS. Now of we went course, V8 American. Yes. Well, Australian. V8. <laughs> let's say V8 from the British colonies. Can we go with that? Okay. There we go. Wow. Yes. So V8 and rear-wheel drive and all the things that Chevy does well with their big V8s, done about as well as it can be in a modern sedan. Now, mm. I could go backwards, but those those are all cars of the 2000s. Okay. Very okay. different executions of the exact same thing. And let's drive all three of those. Because here's the thing. Somebody drove all three of those. I think you'd be revolutionized in your perspective of what a sedan should be. You'll climb in the G70 okay. and know why it's okay. good. You'll climb in the Stinger and know why it's good. The offshoots or the yeah. similar. You'll, you'll climb in. You'll climb sure. in a Lexus product that's rear-wheel drive and be like, "This isn't fun enough." And then you'll climb out. But but, but I'm saying sure. you have there's such touch points there that those three for sure get sedan done for me. I like it. I'm going to start with the wild card in the muscle car category, okay. the cars that convert gasoline into noise and speed, which we all love. I'm going to start with the wild card of Cobra Replica. Oh, And okay. Replica because it is an attainable thing to sure. be able to get into. You sure. might know somebody with a Replica mm-hmm. who will let you drive one. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting there because of the Carol Shelby Think. Mm. The way the man thought is lightweight, <laughs> tiny car, giant engine. Yes. The thing that is pretty much the recipe for any car designer's thinking. Anybody who's into cars thinks... These are the bones, and this is where we're starting. That's absolutely the T-shirt for muscle cars. That's what they are. How how small a body can we put a massive yes. engine in? That's the thinking. Yes. Whether it's a two eighty nine, whether it's a four twenty seven, mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. The feeling is the same. That's very good. It just you know the faster you go, dental records matter less. <laughs> so <laughs> with the four twenty seven, who cares? Yeah, yeah, you're just going faster. But that kind of feeling is what I want from a muscle car. Mm. That's scary. I'm on the edge. I'm in control. Mm. I'm not in control. I'm. Mm. What is this thing that wants to kill me? Every other car from there, the Mustang G2350, the C7 Corvette Z06 or ZR1, Mm. a Mercedes AMG GT, the Chevy of Germany designed the GT car. car. That's excellent. That's a really good one. And of course, Hellcat powered Charger and Challenger. Those are Mm. on my list too. I consider the four-door muscle car as well. But those are the ones that you just think, why? <laughs> Why do these exist? Yeah. I'm so glad they exist. Mm-hmm. I need one in my life, and thusly let it be so. That's excellent. I, I have some overlap with you here, more so than some of the other categories. But this is the only place where I actually went way back. Did you? Because for muscle car, I think you need to drive a 60s Mustang with a decent-sized V8. Because can the, be a scary proposition. It can be, because the Mustang was the watershed moment. It was the car that made every other people, whether they were making muscle cars or something close to muscle cars or not, everybody went, we should make something like that. <laughs> like, ah, okay. there's the recipe. Yeah. So a V8, an early 60s V8 Mustang, mm. you have to drive that because that just that's, that calibrates you. And then I jumped to two modern examples where you can see that that muscle car thinking has splintered to get us two very different ways to execute it. One is the Hellcat Challenger. Mm-hmm. That car is far too large. But so were most of American cars that were muscle True. cars. They were, they were big cars, so it's far True. too large. But it has so much power, it doesn't care. It doesn't care how big it is. It's yes. just, you know, stop the world with this Hellcat motor. So Hellcat Challenger. And then a GS variant of a Corvette. Okay. C6 or C7. Okay. So you get, this is how muscle car bleeds towards sports car, but it is still muscle car thinking. Yeah. And also yeah. tries to get nice and luxurious, which was not muscle car thinking. So it's it's where the muscle car grows into. It grows into the Challenger on one end, and it grows into a, a really nice Corvette on the other. Hmm. I like that a lot. Moving on to the SUV category, the Porsche Cayenne tops my list, hmm. not because I'm a foregone conclusion, but more so because Porsche was late to the SUV party. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. kind of dead last. Mm-hmm. They reinterpreted everything they thought an SUV should be. And when it came out, they said, well, this is great for dunes. You can do off-roading. That's good. Serious off-roading, not just some light fire roads and take the stakes in the cooler to the campsite. (laughs) We could actually do some serious off-roading. And yet, 
max it out on the Autobahn mm. at high speed, and it'll still handle well. That kind of thinking has been refined over the years. The early yeah, yeah. Cayennes had some issues. Yes, the very early ones, yes. But issues. the refinement has proven them to be such a great mix. Mm-hmm. It's almost unrivaled. Almost. They're way up there, yeah. Until you get to what Mercedes does across Uh town, the Mercedes AMG versions of the GLE and the GLS. Okay. The 63 motor transforms these into things that shouldn't do what they do. Mm -hmm. They're rocket They are, but my wild card is the BMW X5M competition. Okay. And you'll notice all these are at the very high end. They're very expensive Mm -hmm. because SUVs of every type that aren't the big engines at the very high end of the market... They're just the people movers. They're, they're the functional necessary mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yeah. And it comes down to cost and styling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. functionality and how many people does a whole and yeah, you know, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. But these big things doing things they shouldn't mm. is the impression that I'm always astounded when I shut the door and I walk away, especially that X5M competition shaking my head going. Yeah. 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 It doesn't make what? any sense. Yeah. Why, why do I need this? I need this. <laughs> I love that. I why? walk away and go, why does it exist? Paul walks away and goes, why do I need that? <laughs> that has happened at these kind of events. <laughs> Paul's like, I need one. I'm like, why, why, why does it exist? I'm trying to articulate the why I know that I do. Uh-huh. I just have to justify it. That's very funny. That is my SUV list. The SUV thing. Let, let's be honest. This has become such a blurred definition because technically SUV bleeds into CUV. Sure. Are and we talking about this, airplanes, like light aircraft, Cessna 172s? Those are the ultimate SUVs. <laughs> there's just a, a blurring of the lines here. And then you get things where you get like the Subaru Crosstrek that is supposedly an SUV, but it's just a lifted hatch. It's a lifted so shoe. I wanted to do three very different executions that fall under either SUV or CUV and show you the best of what these things can be. Three mm. very different executions. First off, the Porsche Macan. Okay. Because why the Macan? Because technically, I love I love all your reasons for the Cayenne. By the way, and I think it is that is an excellent one to be on the list. I chose the Macan because the Macan shows where SUVs, in my opinion, aren't SUVs anymore. They really are hatches, they're but they're being sold as yeah. SUVs, and as a result, they perform more like cars, but they're sold with a ride height that suggests SUV. That's the Macan is the poster child for that idea. The Macan seat height is no taller than cars of the 40s and 50s. Uh, buddy, Actual I, large cars. It's it's a it's a it's a Porsche hatchback is what it is. Yeah. But it's sold as a CUV. So I wanted to put that one there. The Kia Telluride because if okay. you want to see when CUVs are done right, it's the Kia Telluride. It's not a big body on frame old think. Mm-hmm. It can't tow the world. It, it but, can't out-accelerate the world. But it has seven yeah. seats, good technology, lots of space for the family. It's it's a perfect execution of the minivan alt. Mm. And mm. then that leaves me with the last execution under SUVs, which is the big old body-on-frame thing, and that is an Escalade. Because that is as ridiculous as that idea gets. And also good. Can tow the house or the boat. Or the houseboat. Okay. It <laughs> or can the house tow, and the it boat. It can tow yeah. all of that. The kids, the dog, the space in the back, yeah. the big, luxurious, comfy seats. It's just all about space, and I am the commander of the road. It, so those three yeah. SUVs, from that point, I can talk about any SUV because you understand how broad the definition's gotten with those three cars. That's excellent. I really like that. Moving on to an electric category, the last two categories we added on here, Ian. The Tesla is nowhere to be found in my electric category. Mm. What is first is the Mustang Mach-E for me. Okay. Now, right. we are early in driving a lot of electric cars, yeah. and I could yeah, say yeah. Taycans. I could say the e-tron GT from Audi. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of others I could suggest too, but I restrained myself and did not suggest those just out of interest, having been, you know, having not driving them yet, okay. yeah. not have driven them. I thought the Mustang Mach-E, I think, impressed both of us when we drove it more. That TV episode is actually coming to YouTube soon. Yeah, it is. But we came in thinking, all right, it's just going to be a toe into the pool. There was a lot more thinking behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that was very obvious from Ford that surprised us. Mm -hmm. And so I came away thinking, all right, there's some Mustang qualities about this. Mm. They get away with calling it the Mustang Mach-E. I'm I'm okay. I was firmly against it. My brakes were set against this. (laughs) And driving it, really, I, I just thought, all right, here's where okay. we're at. This okay. is where things are going fine. And so I came away really liking it, pretty impressed. I'm not sure if I'd want the first generation of my life, but subsequent generations, 
if iteration is you know anything go- going to continue like it has mm-hmm. over the past mm-hmm. you know few decades when we see an, a model introduction and then you know two or three generations later look how good this is yeah yeah that's going to be pretty exciting for the Mustang Mach-E, as it, as it will good. be for a lot of other yeah, yeah. electric platforms. The Chevy Bolt is also on there just because I like the the car company that knows how to build cars, and they did their take without really looking at anybody else. It does feel like a unique execution. You're right, yeah. It really is. And so I'm excited for you know what car companies will do. Porsche actually building that electric Cayman, the electric Cayman version that isn't just a platform with the batteries and sandwiched in the floor and the same old thinking. It seems like this is cutting edge and new. It's already old in my opinion. It's already old think it's to get the cars built and get them out the door and nobody cares about driving, which is not how car companies have progressed and flourished throughout the years. Mm -hmm. They've built beautiful, great looking, amazing to drive cars that might not sell too well Mm -hmm. and yet they've done it anyway because there's passion about driving Mm -hmm. this whole platform electric car skateboard thing indicates your your heart is dead it's stone cold (laughs) you have zero passion or love for the actual act of driving and that's why i like the both of these they actually have some engagement to them i hope there are future electric cars that ignore that and they find a an equally compelling business reason to be able to build them at cost for profit, but they're fun to drive. I feel like that's coming, but so far everybody's got to mm. get this stupid sandwich electric car platform out of the way. They got to get it out of their system. So fine, take it, run with it. Just build a bunch of them. They're all the same, different body on frame, whatever. Spencer. It kind of is just spray them out of the end of the factory. <laughs> Fine. Beware. Electric car spray on this end. <laughs> when are the Stand cool back. cars coming? We'll wait for those. That's funny. For electric, I have three. And again, the same kind of thinking where I want you to drive three different executions and then we'll have a conversation about everything that's going on. And those are some overlap with you. The Chevy Bolt, because that is a excellent execution of an electric commuter car. Mm. They weren't thinking... This is the only car you have. They weren't thinking, let's drive across country. They were thinking electric commuter car. It has excellent range. It works very, very well. It's front-wheel drive architecture, which is what commuter cars typically are. So Chevy Bolt. Then the Tesla Model 3. Mm. Because this is the major sales success for Tesla. I really love poor build quality, so I'll buy a Model 3. It's not that. It's the major sales success. It's the first one they tried to make a sports sedan. The Model S was very impressive out of the gate. It was. But the Model... Three was the one that they, they put with the performance versions we and the all-wheel drive and versions and all kinds of things. Sorry. So the Model 3 is a really watershed moment that I think the people that were the initial, like, first people in the pool that bought a Model S, mm. they're always those, those folks. The Model 3 was a lot of people that were kind of waiting for it to get a little bit more established and mainstream. Yeah. And so the Model 3 is in there for that reason. And then the Mustang Mach-E, mm. because that is... We brought in an SUV platform now. I realize that the Model Y exists. But we bought in. We've thought about SUV and electric, which the other two aren't. Here's a sandwich platform. Yeah, and, go to, and, go and to town. And we're dealing with legacy thinking now in not only the building but even the naming convention. And we're trying to think how does this get shoehorned into the future. Your success will vary, but I think those three are really interesting discussions for this is where electric cars are now. Where do we think they'll go? The pickup truck category. I kind of took a similar approach to you. I did large, medium, and small because pickup trucks have gotten huge and the range is vast as far Mm -hmm. as what people think they need versus what people actually need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm starting with the full size. It's the current generation Ram 1500 because of the ride Mm -hmm. quality Mm -hmm. and because of the tech in it and because of the instrument panel. You've got to get it with the giant screen, but still... What a great execution of a full-size pickup truck Mm -hmm. that drives and rides so well. Moving to the middle ground is absolutely the new Nissan Frontier. So Mm. impressed with that thing. If you consider where it's come from and how much they used of the old truck to make a brand new and a brand new model and make it actually different, which they did, but now introduce a truck that this is kind of the one I can see myself Mm. owning. You know, this is the size. I'm saying that as the general we. But here, here's really the kind of size that I need. I don't need a full size. This this could actually make it work. And then the two uh, on the smaller end of things are the Honda Ridgeline and the Hyundai Santa Cruz. Interesting. Very useful. Very interesting. Not a pickup truck kind of ride. And that's that's a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
I could really fit this into my life and I could have the benefits of pickup truck kinds of things. I don't really need to tell a whole lot. We've covered that before. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Those are the four actually in there that, that the Santa Cruz is a bit different than the Ridgeline, but those are the four that I really like as great examples of, hey, full heavy-duty hauling thing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. look how good it can ride because why should we as customers just accept pickup trucks ride like they do they ride terribly mm-hmm. they're not great but it's pickup truck and so i have to you know just own it and saddle up and just drive my pickup truck no you can demand better it happens that that's true you and i have overlap here again but but again i was thinking about pickup truck when people hear i bought a pickup or i'm going to buy a pickup mm-hmm. these are the the we talk about how for subarus you got to have a beanie and a guitar and a, and a kayak when you're buying a pickup yeah. it's because apparently you're going to go off road and people think like the most extreme off road ever that pickups all do that <laughs> we're going to haul stuff because pickups all do that yeah and then pickups now because they've been only cars forever are also luxury cars at the same time yes so i needed to get yes. references to all of that kind of thinking and that's why i do also have the current Ram 1500 on there. No kidding. Now, there's okay. a couple things going on. Not only is it a great full-size representation of a great execution of a truck as far as that scale, mm-hmm. but also it doesn't have leaf springs. They were the first ones to do a, a multi-link rear solid axle thing. Okay, they, they walked away from the big solid beam in the back and it rides terrible. Dodge was the first one to do that. Mm-hmm. So it rides better than everybody else. It shows you how cutting edge the tech can be in a pickup. It's a luxury car in there with a yeah, monster Tesla-sized screen. What is this doing in my pickup? But there it is. So that's why that's there. Then we splinter off into things we think pickups should do, but maybe this does it better. One is the Honda Ridgeline, which, guess what? More affordable, better gas mileage, better riding than the big boys. Doesn't tow as much. Can handle a fire road, but it's not really an off-road beast. Right. But yet it does a lot of the pickup things that most people are going to need. So Honda Ridgeline represents that. And then there is the other thing. Not really a pickup, but it still fits here. And that is the Jeep Wrangler. Because okay. that is the off-roader that people think all pickups are. People just think all pickups are going to take <laughs> yeah. to Moab. You're not. They're the actually not. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. a Wrangler does all that super off-road stuff that you think every pickup does. And it doesn't really go in any other category anyway. Plus, we're talking about solid axles front and rear. <laughs> Welcome to old school four-wheel drive. But guess what? It can climb the world. So that's my pickup list. I've got an extra crazy wild card oh, okay. here, Ian. And that is a spec racer Ford. When oh. we went to race school and we took the SCCA driver training course, so the first part of the licensing school, we drove at Thunderhill out in California and we drove both, both of us had spec racer Fords mm-hmm. in races. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was so amazed and pleased by this democratization of an actual race car. Mm. You could mm. say that Miatas are in that category, but Miatas were road cars first. People have turned them into the spec racing series. This was designed from the very beginning to offer a low-cost way to get mm. into real racing, real race cars. And they had the same recipe, so it kept the field even, and it really started to shake out who's a good driver and who's not, mm. who's fast, who's slow. Yeah, yeah. That's what it did for me. And so if you have a chance to drive a spec racer Ford, that's good. It's not like I'm asking you to get into some latest Ferrari, Lamborghini or McLaren. Sure. Sure. Get into one of these at the top end. They're $30,000 for a pretty new one. Well, but there's just race and experience schools as well, where you just pay Absolutely. for the day and you're, I mean, we did the big race school, but you can do like one day experiences as well and get into something like that. You're talking about open top uh, center seat. I mean, this is a very different life experience as a driver. Yeah. Yes, it's very specific. Our friends at Axel Race Tech can rent you one if mm-hmm. you're ever there or you're in the area. They support the San Francisco SCCA region yep. with rentals for SRFs. You can get into it. They can help, help you buy one. I mean, so much so that I'm even thinking about just like our friend Greg bought mm-hmm. one. It's <laughs> actually a consideration. He wants us to buy one so badly. It's actually a consideration. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, this is a real race car. It's tiny, mm-hmm. but it's all the race car costs at scale. Yeah, that's fair. Which makes it so interesting. That's a good wild card. I like it. When the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from Covercraft. Their custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield. I mean, perfectly fit for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy and fold up wonderfully for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including the original awesome silver one, Premier Series, and Carhartt. Covercraft offers dash mat custom dash covers as well, custom fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. They reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, suede mat, velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. 
whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember you need to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com for our audience. You can find Covercraft by following the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Jeff's writing in, Jeff would like to commute, but he would like to have a fun commuter. And so he's been working his way back through the podcast and laughing along with us. Thank you. I'm glad we're making you laugh, Jeff. You said you thought you almost got pulled over recently because you were laughing so hard you weren't driving well. Be careful out there, by the way. Please don't do that. But you were listening to the fact that Paul was ranting. You said it's in episode 132 about how much he hated, I have to tell on you, the Maserati Quattroporte. It would never own one, could never understand why anyone would own one, could not be paid to drive one. (laughs) Fast forward a few years to our cheap sedan challenge. What does Paul get a Maserati Quattroporte? And the whole world spins. It's great. Oh, I I had to. And I actually, Jeff, I love being wrong. In this case, I'm thoroughly enjoying being so wrong. Because you're right, I did rant against it. Well, Jeff writes to us. He works on the Columbia River for the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. okay. And he says... He's been listening to the podcast, I think all, almost all the episodes here, but he's in a quandary. He's nearly eight months into his second career. He's 56 years old, 33 years of experience, and he's in need of replacing his 2013 Mazda 3 Skyactiv hatch. It's okay. an annual transmission. Okay. He said he bought it new, but after a, he bought it after a high schooler decided to smash into his 08 Scion XD. But at this point, he's tired of driving sensible economy cars. 22 years and counting. I highlighted that sentence Mm -hmm. out of your email, Jeff. You're tired of driving sensible economy cars. There's nothing wrong with it. It fits the budget. It It works for so many people. And it's worked well for you, but you've just decided, let's do something else. His car history includes a 1943 Willys MB. Wow. Okay. A 1975 Pontiac Le Mans with 475 horsepower. GTO 400 in there, 1985 Trans Am, a 1990 Mazda 4x4 pickup in manual, 1984 Jeep CJ7 with a 350 Chevy swap. Interesting, okay. He had a 1994 Silverado 4x4 Extra Crab, 94 Civic Sedan manual that he modified for performance, the (laughs) aforementioned 08 Scion XD and the current Mazda 3. But his quandary that he has is while he's got this proclivity for preferring handling over horsepower, he does love a pole that only a great horsepower to weight ratio can provide. Okay. All right. All right. So he lusts after the cars like the Veloster N and the STI and the Fiesta ST, and he loves all that stuff. JC, J, John Cooper works many G70, Stinger GT. Good stuff. I love the list. You're, you're naming a lot of the, the list that we've just identified. He says miles per gallon is not his top concern, but he's an Olympian working in Pasco during a six-month project and continuing to do that for a couple of years. So he does that four to six-hour drive home two to three weeks, weekends a month. Mm, okay, all right. Now, as far as his frame, his size, he's six foot two, two fifty-five, longish torso. So he wants to fit. That's mm-hmm. very important. He doesn't mind louder, less refined kinds but of. But it's got to fit and be reliable. He has it to has fit to run. Yeah. yeah. So new, brand new, or very low miles is essential from okay. a reliability standpoint. I like it. Any help, Jeff? I <laughs> thrilled that you wrote to us. That again, that sentence where you said you're tired of driving sensible economy cars, mm-hmm. but yet you're asking for a fun commuter here. You're yeah, you're on sure. the road yeah. a lot, mm-hmm. and you need to have a fun, comfortable place to be. It's not like you're. Know, jamming through country roads or True. canyon driving. Yeah. yeah. And the the car that stuck out to me was the Civic Type R. You're naming other hot hatches mm-hmm. in there, but that Civic Type R, especially where you're coming from, mm. because wouldn't it be fun to point to that and say, that's your car? If you play the guessing game, <laughs> all right, everybody's standing out front of the building and, okay, guess who drives what? Mm-hmm. And people, oh, okay, that must be yours because you're a kind of a sensible guy and you look like you're do you ever, a bit frugal. Do you ever play this game in parking lots? I do sometimes. This is how, how kind of. I am. Every now well, and then. You usually do it with your friends. But, but, but I've found myself in like the parking lot of a grocery store and somebody walks out. <laughs> it's great. And, and you see how soon you can get it. They just walk yeah. out. 
That all they've done is walk in. It's a sea of parking. Uh, totally. You're sitting in the parking lot. Totally. You see a car's in front of you, and you think, what could you drive? But, of course, the closer they get, the more it reveals it, right? So you've got to try to stay ahead of them. So <laughs> exactly. when they're halfway through the parking lot, you get your, like, top five or six. Oh, you're, you're driving one of those. Yeah. And then they take an off or turn and like, no, it can't be one of those. It's got to be. I love doing this. I, my success rate isn't great, but I find it hysterically fun when somebody walks up like, oh, you're in the G-Wagon. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're in the Civic. Okay, but for a second there, it could have been a G-Wagon. It's very fun. You're kind of a G-Wagon kind of a person. Maybe. Are you? No, that, that's absolutely a lot of fun to do. But Jeff... That Civic Type R, just think, it doesn't have to be just young people necessarily. Not that you're not, but it doesn't have to be just a certain age mm-hmm. range is what I'm getting at mm-hmm. for a particular car. As a matter of fact, I look forward to driving stupid, nonsensical, <laughs> yes. why do you drive yes. that? That doesn't fit what I think and perceive you to be as a person. We're already there. and We're only leading into so. it further, yeah. <laughs> but I, I want to do that. I hope crazier cars come out Mm -hmm. as far as new cars but also like i was talking about earlier in the podcast about the electric sandwich platform yeah is that really going to spawn exciting beautiful interesting maybe controversial looking cars Mm. is it Mm. i don't think so i think it's going to be tough they're going to be sensible they're going to be named canoe (laughs) (laughs) the future is not a box it is not the, by the way, all Grr. of you have probably realized this by now. The canoe rant is always just under the surface. Oh. Just be so careful of a canoe rant. You designed a box mm-hmm. and you c- canoe. You're all sitting around with your investors and the investors who are giving you the money approved that. They canoe. said, sure, that'll sell. I'll get in on that. Let's I get totally in. want the first canoe off the line. On the ground floor of canoe. No. What do you yeah. be- No. <laughs> looks like they took the front like no. fifth of a b29 put it on wheels and then chopped a pickup bed out of it's the back of it the B- it's just the a b29 weird, turret it's it's just the turret wheels. it's just the turret with a with a with a trailer no. on the back it's very odd doubles as a lifeboat moving on the point is the fun cars the cool cars the interesting crazy i could not possibly drive that i couldn't do that i couldn't allow myself should i wear that <laughs> maybe maybe who what inside of you what part of your personality mm-hmm. are you stomping down are you squishing are you mm. putting down pushing down inside you that you kind of haven't let out lately and how could that manifest itself in a fun to drive cool sports car it's a civic it's sensible it's going to get great gas mileage it's mm-hmm. comfortable on the freeway that's have a ridiculous you, wing have you seen my wing <laughs> <laughs> yes and then when you pull into the parking lot, okay, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there must be some teenager here in a Civic Type R. I don't know why that. No, no, that's my car. Love it. Record that's scratch. Great. Squeak. What? I'm sorry. You drive. How? Why do you drive that? I love it. Let me tell you. Because of the turbo punch. Because of the sport mode selector. Because it's manual. Because it's so much freaking fun to drive mm-hmm. that I just... Just let myself do it. I lo- allowed myself to do that. And it sounds like, Jeff, you're at that place in your life. You're tired mm-hmm. of sensible economy cars, yet yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. still giving you an economy car mm-hmm. that is sort of sensible for the commute, and there's some spice. It just says... Surprisingly good ride, yeah. I mean, as you're driving along, it sort of screams, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be on a racetrack. You know? <laughs> what am I doing in traffic? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. That's fair. I like that. There's <laughs> such, such great cars here, Jeff. I'm going to point you toward a TV episode in a second, but I want to run through some of the things on your list. And the thing that's interesting is you stopped on the Fiesta ST and just covered it in exclamation points as you really, <laughs> really like it. But you're talking about a commuter, and you're a big guy. Yeah. I like the Fiesta ST. I do. I think it's wrong for you. But I like the sensibility of you being attracted to it. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going to go is specifically the Veloster N. Okay. Because that is the grown-up version of the Fiesta ST. It's the closest thing you and I have found. We've said this on camera before, to what we like about the Fiesta ST. But just like the next gen and grown-up a bit, I wish we'd gotten the next gen. We didn't. Europe gets it. It's supposed to be awesome. But the Veloster N really does the things you want the Fiesta ST to do for you, but yet gives you more space and more usability. Mm. So I think that is worthwhile. But this taps into an episode we did of TV a while back called Daily Fun. Mm-hmm. The whole episode was just about this. Have something fun to drive for all of the normal daily stuff because you can commute and you can road trip and these kind of things. This is exactly where you are. So that points me toward the 86 chassis, but specifically now I'm going to jump you to the new one, 
Nice. Look at the new GR86. You've had some rear-wheel drives in your past, but you haven't had them in a while. You've leaned more towards small front-wheel drive light stuff. This is small rear-wheel drive light stuff. The second gen is a better cabin. It's more power. It's not, I mean, it's not powerful. It's not as powerful as these turbos. It doesn't have a turbo punch. But at the same time, it feels really great to drive. And it feels like, well, this is the power this chassis needed. (laughs) So the GR86 is definitely worth driving. Now, to cross shop with the Veloster N, yes, you should drive the John Cooper Works Mini. If you've ever wanted to have a German car, you've thought about having a German car, which is not in your history. This is the BMW you should buy. It's the Agreed. small yes. little front-wheel drive BMW product. The John Cooper Works Mini is excellent. Your G70 and Stinger, look, the G70 over the Stinger. The Stinger's excellent. The Stinger's too big for you. You've liked small Agreed. cars Agreed. for a long time. You need to get the G70, not the Stinger, if you want to go that big at all. Now, that is much more normal-looking. Mm. I mean, if you pull up in that, what, that baby blue color, which is great, Veloster N. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. any color on the Civic Type R, it sets a very different f- feeling than you pull up in a nice G70. The yeah, G70 true. says, I'm an adult. I'm an adult, by the way, that has discerning taste and is driving a great car that most people don't realize is great. True. But I'm an adult. True. You pull up in the Veloster Inn in a crazy I've color. i stopped with adulting. With a Civic Type R. <laughs> and you know what? I am, I, you know, I'm a child. I'm, I may be in a man's body, but I am a child. I'm and, done with adulting. honestly, Jeff, I applaud that. Be childlike. But I don't know who you are and the kind of cars you want to show up in. So yeah. that's why I'm giving yeah. the options. But yes, G70 over Stinger. But if you're going to drive the G70, you simply must drive the Alpha Julia. Now, your budget probably means you'll be in the 2-liter turbo. Mm-hmm. It's The G70, the one you want, is their, their big uh, like 3.5-liter turbo monster. Mm-hmm. And the Alpha is not going to be that powerful. But the Alpha feels more powerful than the stats. The stats are like 250 horsepower. The, watch our Blue Cars episode and see how much we like that Alpha, even with the smaller engine against the G70 with the bigger engine. But the Alpha is... The sedan nobody expects to be in the parking lot. Mm. Everywhere we go, when we go to L.A., a place I would think would be littered with Julius, you still see occasional ones that turn your head because, like, oh look, there's yeah, one. True, true. Everybody else is driving something else. You have to drive the Julia as your as your uh, cross shop there. Hopefully, something here helps you. But the big thing I want for you, Jeff, is go find something that makes you laugh, and you do get out and just think that's my car. And if that is absurd. Bewinged Civic, embrace it. <laughs> Bewinged anything. Yes. Jeff, a thought strikes me about the Acura TLX Type S. We just drove that. And oh, we've got okay. a test drive coming. Yeah. We have not begun to really recommend that car as far as the, the sedans that we love, but we did like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just got small back seats, very small back seats. Which is, yeah, for him, it might not matter. Exactly right. Yeah, that's I'm good. wondering, you're six two. You said they got the longest torso. We fit. Todd fit a little bit, but the it, seats it doesn't back. doesn't fit great. It's not for everybody. It's not for big people. And there's mm, less reverence about the, the. There's less reverence with the Civic Type R. There's a little bit more reverence uh, in the Type S, but it's still quad pipes. Have I shown you my pipes? Here's my pipes. I'm going to show you my four the, pipes. The type, There's four of them. The Type bye S bye. hides like the G70 does in the parking yeah. lot. This is an adult car that is actually awesome. It's an adult the car, type but R then does not. there's four pipes back there. Four big old pipes. That, yeah. hmm, are you a little bit angry? What happened to poor Jeff? He got angry. He got four <laughs> a pipes. irreverent? You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars one search. Chase writes in on Facebook with something that feels like fighting words. Ooh. But I'm going to answer it anyway. He Ooh. says, look, I love the availability of the new compact trucks. He's talking about the, the new Santa Cruz you just posted. And, of course, this also means the Ridgeline. And Ford's coming out. He was out the muddy. Maverick. He was a yes, muddy it buddy. Was. It, it, was, it was hysterically <laughs> muddy. In fact, a little side note. You'll know when you see the piece. We were driving. I was driving the camera vehicle in front of the Hyundai. <laughs> And I realized I had to change sides because the camera vehicle was throwing mud up on one half of the grill. And it looked really, really weird. So I had like I, I said to Paul, I said, we have to balance. Got on the radio, so we got to balance this. But anyway, you said you love the fact that these exist. However, for most truck buyers, this is fighting words, wouldn't a wagon suffice 
Couldn't it serve the same function and provide the same or more cargo space, but the added benefit of the cargo not being exposed to the elements? Wouldn't a wagon be much better to drive? You're kind of saying, why? You're kind of going, what on earth? Why do these exist? This is the Western film equivalent of you walking into that old bar, Mm -hmm. pushing your way past the doors. The piano player stops. A glass hits the floor. Yes, it's all of this. Everybody looks at you. Uh This is that moment. Why aren't y'all in a wagon? That's really the, that's the opening line. Yeah. I'm sorry. You must not be from around here. Absolutely. So here's the thing, Chase, a couple things. I, when I drive these small guys, and I do mean the Ridgeline and the, and the Santa Cruz, when I drive these small guys, I'm aware of the fact that they don't have huge hauling and they don't have huge towing. And so you're right. You could have a wagon for the same thing. But here's the, the cross thought I'm having, though. I started to think about this a lot while driving the Santa Cruz because I tried to think, would I own this? And if I did, what would I use it for? And I discovered something that I don't think about all the time that is useful for pickups. Because we do talk about pickups. A lot of people buy them because I'm going to buy mulch once a year. And just, you know, heads up again. Annual mulch If trip. you're buying mulch once a year or you might occasionally haul a 4 by 8 sheet of something, you can rent a truck at your local do-it-yourself store uh, for that twice a year. You which is logic. a much, much better choice. Trying to use logic. But if you're a person who does activities that are messy. You're a mountain biker. You're a skier. You're a kayaker. You paddleboard. You come back with stuff that's just covered in filth. Mm-hmm. That happens. And I don't, I'm not counting kids, by the way. Kids still go in the cab. <laughs> just so you know, kids do go in the cab. But if you, if you hear that person, this is what these trucks are for. Yeah. Because you can put your filthy, dripping, muddy mountain bike in the bed. I thought you were going to say kid. <laughs> no, no, no. Unfortunately, they do have to go with the cab even when they're that dirty. Filthy, dripping Child. mountain bike. That's why the brat had seats in the back, I think. That's anyway, right. no. Th- th- they still have you to be cleaned. can hose those out. Exactly. Guy. But this is what these are for. It's because you have activities that are filthy activities and putting them in the back of your wagon or, in some cases, just your normal full-size uh, SUV suburban thing, it's going to make it awful. And that's where they work. Daniel B. on Facebook has been listening to the back catalog of our podcast. He's about halfway through 2016. And the two of us, he says, talk a lot about self-driving cars. It sounded like all cars would be self-driving within a few years. That's what they were telling us. <laughs> it we was. Believe it. But anyway. But he acknowledges that talk has since subsided. So do we think that technology just isn't possible? Or maybe it's just decades off and it's been developed as far as it can go with the current technology. And this does apply to battery electric vehicle development. But we will hit a wall with the advancement in the next few years. And all these mandates for only full electric vehicles will be unrealistic and push back for at least a few decades. Well, the first thing I want to say is self-driving cars are not connected to electric cars. True. True. There have been some... Full self-driving cars that are mm-hmm. not electrics. Cadillac. All of Cadillac's testing for Super Cruise was on big Cadillacs that yeah. were not even hybrid. So it's funny. People think electric cars and they're automatically mm-hmm. autonomous. Mm-hmm. Not true. However, you're kind of answering it by noting that our talk about it has subsided because that there was a lot of talk. There's a lot of excitement. The technology is being investigated, developed, money's pouring in. And the emails we were getting because everybody True. was hearing about it True. was a constant cavalcade of, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get to drive a car again. What is happening? And so it brought it up in our conversation a lot. And I think all of us in general have started to see, oh, that's really not here right now. Mm-hmm. And nor will it be for a long time to come because they are talking about getting this self-driving out there that has to work. And after the period of time, there's that initial, Hey, this is cool. It might work. It's going to work. And then a lot of accidents happened. Mm -hmm. Some deaths happened. People were killed. Tesla's being investigated. Tesla's debating their full self-driving. Those air quotes are so big. They hurt. Okay. Full self-driving that that is said that, but really isn't. And they've been, beta and then they pull back a beta just today they were like pulling back a beta and sending it back out i mean this is this is the test case folks it's like the tech world motto is move fast and break things uh-huh. you can't do that and move fast and kill people <laughs> you can't you're right That's and i'm horrifying. not trying to be irreverent you're, but you're right but you're this is a right. different thing this is not just whoops the technology didn't work those google glasses weren't so good after all people didn't want to you know shake their head and try to you know advance the screen to, <laughs> and they pay, made you pay 1500 bucks for it when you could buy an iphone for half the price there is that as well this is about human lives are at stake mm-hmm. 
that's a whole other level. So therefore it has to be not just version 1.0 and we'll get there at some point, just buy this version and we'll update at some point. You'll get a firmware update while you sleep. No, 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 no. Just like you said, Tesla's being investigated. It has to work perfectly. And companies now have come up against that realization. It's the ocean of reality. Hello. Mm-hmm. It has to work perfectly. And for people to trust it, it had to be out there. And so, yeah, we're moving a little fast. And no, there's a bit of smoke and mirrors. And it doesn't actually work as well as we think it does. Even though I did a consulting project for Waymo. Mm-hmm. It does work well. And they have it. But not in all situations. Yeah. It works yeah, yeah. amazing, but not in all situations. Well, and there's, oh, there's so much going on here. And there's infrastructure. And there's legal realities. And there's changes to laws that have nothing to do with the technology mm-hmm. that will influence its implementation. And that's why we don't think, I mean, these next 10 years, it's going to be, no, it's <laughs> exactly. not. Daniel, the last part of that is making money. Companies want to develop this. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. it comes down to money. Follow the money. They have to make money off this (laughs) somehow. It can't just be cool new tech that actually doesn't make us any money at all. It doesn't have anything to do with the sales of new vehicles. What does sell vehicles? New models and continued development, possibly towards electric vehicles for some companies. Mm -hmm. Other companies are kind of resistant to that. It depends. Toyota, BMW made noises about that. Other companies are fully on board and they're going the electric route. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But ultimately it comes down to making money. (laughs) Self-driving thing isn't making them anything really. It's just costing them a lot. And if it costs human lives, that's why we've stopped. That's why the industry has stopped talking about it. Forrest on Instagram says, do we ever consider the quality of the stereo when we review cars? Which car has a surprisingly good stereo? Forrest, this has come up a couple times in our reviews where we, we have a car that we're in. I'll give you a perfect example. The the big Lexus LS with their you know 450 speaker, whatever it is. It's, it's an unbelievable concert quality totally. stereo. It's, it's fantastic, okay? And people say, well, why don't you demonstrate the stereo? I don't demonstrate the stereo because you're watching this on YouTube. Mm. You may have terrible headphones on. You might be listening to it through the speakers of your laptop. Uh, all you're going to hear is heavily compressed coming out of two terrible speakers. It it doesn't matter for me to show this. That sound is irrelevant. If and then tell a, you it's great? Yeah. Well, just believe me. No, it's great. It's really great. The only way for a person to experience the quality of a stereo in the car is to have your own head in the cabin. Okay? We do t- discuss the the technology often and we sometimes will mention if the stereo is impressive but i don't really feel like there's any point in quote unquote showing it to you because you can't hear it unless you're there Mm. it is very problematic in that regard you can even hear the exhaust of a car through bad speakers better off than i can show off a song you like through the not possible however the lexus ls has an amazing stereo the big boy uh mercedes products have fantastic stereos Mm -hmm. they're very very good Mm -hmm. It really depends on number of speakers and how much you paid extra for the stereo. Because generally, broad brush now, if a manufacturer has a stereo upgrade, they're typically making quite a bit of money on that upgrade, by the mm-hmm. way. That that mm-hmm. markup is steep, but generally that is a quite impressive stereo system that resulted from that upgrade. Got some watch questions here. Blair Smith 2000 asks me in the world of watch collecting, what do I make of the car-inspired watches? You know, the mm. Porsche designs, the Tog Heuer, Carreras, Senna's, Formula Ones. Are they gimmicky or should be should they be legitimate considerations? They are impulse buys. Mm. They're not the Tog Heuer, especially the Monaco, but Porsche design, in my opinion, is edging the closest towards letting it just be classy, but kind of car related. Mm. The RPM watches do nothing for me. Most of them do nothing. And most of them are actually just the, the sales counter in the accessories department just have to have some sort of watch branded with the logo of the car company that exists. Oh, interesting. It's kind of rare, you know, the Aston Martin watches, that kind of thing. They're, they're very rare and they're for specific buyers Mm -hmm. and you're really connected to that car company. I mean, me with Porsche design, I'm the geek who would buy one, mm-hmm. of course. But for the most part, that's not what needs to drive your watch shopping. It needs to be either style or movement. Shoot. Even Bell and Ross is doing special editions for the Alpine F1 team. Okay. They had the relationship with formula one. They were mm-hmm. the watch sponsor, but of course watches go with cars. Everybody, most everybody who loves cars, loves watches too. And a lot of people do. My son 
now wants a car watch. I'm so glad. And he keeps going, Dad, what about this one? And of course, he's asking the wrong person. Okay, well, that's a but great on idea. other end of the spectrum, though, he can't drive yet. So it's a way he can have a car connection Fair. Fair. That, he, that is his. It's been very interesting to talk with him about it because, of course, I don't really care. But he keeps going, this is a cool watch. He actually wants a Lotus-branded watch. That's cool. Which is kind of fun, yeah. But you're right. I suppose if you can't drive and you're too young and you know that kind of thing, well, sure. But those watches are – the branded watches aren't cheap. I get that. But that is not what drives watch collectors. It just so happens mm. one might come along and we think, okay, and it's associated with a car company. i, I got to be honest. The bikes from Porsche – Kind of hokey. It's not what I'm looking for from a bike manufacturer. Wow, that's expensive. Yeah. It really yeah. just is. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Mercedes and Audi, they've all built bikes. I'm going, if I'm shopping for a serious mountain bike, I'm not shopping over there. I'm going to the, funny. the other brands that we love. So, you know, that could be in Santa Cruz and Yeti and all these other, Cannondale, whatever. So those watches, they do seem kind of little bit hokey for me that they're just sort of nice for display cases and seem fun but uh, they're just an accessory they're not a true watch connoisseur's kind of watch the ones my son's shopping thankfully are cheap car watches well that's so good that's, that's, that's good, good news as well lord vader says uh he's looking at the picture that we posted of the hyundai santa cruz and he's saying have we driven the ranger mm. and between the santa cruz and the ranger do we have a preference mm. i would say it really depends on your usage if you need like a truck feel you need you need truck towing you need a truck feel you're going to be off road it's going to be muddy it, it's a truck mm-hmm. actual truck mm-hmm. usage get the ranger if you're getting like normal usage and you like the look of the santa fe and you'd kind of like a little bit of a bed and you're going to haul your bikes and your whatever and you're, it's going to be on road a lot you should get the santa cruz danny on instagram has a question uh, a budget question that gets difficult but i'm going to try to tackle it he says do we recommend maxing out the budget to get the most car for the money or spending a little bit less to make the car your own. His examples here specifically are he could get a first-gen Boxster, which it sounds like is at the absolute top of his budget. Mm-hmm. He could get a used Miata with money left over. Danny, there's a question you haven't thought of, and that is, <clears throat> so you went and bought a cheap Boxster. What's it need? Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, look, it, we are big fans of the Boxster. Watch our cheap sports car piece. Obviously, it's in there. But the Boxster is going to need something. If you bought a used Boxster in general, they're just going to need maintenance. Pretty much any car you buy will. But that Boxster, everything is going to be more expensive. Tires, water pumps, trying to think of things. Oh, did you get one that needs an IMS? I mean, what does it need? (laughs) And that may totally change your budget. This is always my concern. Is any car, you fall across the finish line to own it. Mm. If it's brand new with a warranty. It's a good way of putting it. Okay. But if you fell across the finish line to own it and it's got 50,000 miles and the person that had it before you drove it like crazy and they weren't that great to it and there's there's money yeah. coming. There's yeah. needs coming. So yeah. that's the big the careful thing I would say. It's almost more that than making it your own because I think all of us, we could easily tune out of class without being pushed very far. All of us, once you get a car, then you have it for a while and you want to make it your own. I think any car you get, you're going to feel that way. I just am concerned about you spending all your budget on something that has probably maintenance pending and used cars in general are all going to need something. Last question for me from Jeff H who likes what we're talking about, the square wheel arches and other design elements. Here's two more design trends. He'd love to hear discussed. First is black roofs and also led headlight shapes. I'm going to sit back and let you go on this because I love that that you took this, this on. That's great. Well, the black roofs is really a design trick. It's designers, especially on the Mustang Mach-E. I've told you about this before. It's a way of Continuing that nice A pillar all the way across the roof line down to the D pillar and creating more headroom in a car that the design doesn't suggest. It's a a design trick to get away with a Mm -hmm. beautiful, more fastback kind of shape that sells cars. And then, oh, you get in, it's useful. And then you realize that black roof has hidden from your eye Mm -hmm. that extra Mm -hmm. two to three inches of rear headroom. Okay, fine. Designers have done this, you know, a lot of little tricks for years, especially the rear door cut opening. When you open it and you find out the hole to get in is a lot smaller than this door outline would suggest. <laughs> yes. Well, that sucks. <laughs> That's just poor Fister packaging. Karma, I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There's a foot of sheet metal that actually intrudes into the door hole. You think, oh, this has got a lot. Of, oh, my gosh. How are we getting in there? 
the black roof can also be a bit of a design trend thing. A, a Camry doesn't really need it, but no. it certainly improves the look and it makes you look at other things, the stylistic elements along the shoulder and the front instead of the roof line. Mm, mm. Roof line, it's a sedan. It's not that interesting. Look at other things. I'm going to black the roof out mm. to make your eye look at other cool things that I want your eye to look at. But LED headlight shapes are the most interesting because LED lighting technology can take on the form of any shape. Mm -hmm. The lights on the front of the Santa Cruz are fantastic. They are. It's like this weird shield wing thing. It's really cool. But just think of how small the technology Mm -hmm. is and how much light output comes out of them and will continue to improve. And what that means for redesigning front ends Mm -hmm. to get a huge light output out of a little tiny hole. That didn't always used to be possible. It had to be a big headlight to get a big light output. Mm -hmm. Now that's not the case. So now that frees up design creativity like crazy to make a cluster of lights in an interesting shape. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about the Santa Cruz. I don't think the Alfa Romeo 4C, the the European edition was quite as successful. That was weird. That was the bug lights, the really, really weird thing. Right. But nevertheless, this technology will allow designers Mm. more creative freedom. I see that in a lot of different kinds of technologies to say, all right, well, now we don't have to, you know, abide by necessarily headlight height requirements Mm -hmm. for crash testing because LED lights don't react the same way in a crash. We can get away with using them in a different way which is great and make clusters and make new designs and create different front ends. That's what's going to keep interesting, fresh car design moving forward is the proliferation of that kind of technology. Jeff, really appreciate your questions. Appreciate all your questions. Yeah. Write to us everyday driver TV at gmail.com for all your car debates and your topic Tuesday ideas. We're still taking topic Tuesday. We for like sure. those a lot. And also your car conclusions. Really appreciate it guys. Looking forward to next time as always. Cheers everyone.